Amen. Well, as the ushers are handing out the offering baskets, I want to um, uh, ask um, Mark Burns to come forward. And uh, Mark, if you could just share uh, just an update about evangelism in our church. Mark is serving as a deacon in our church in relation to evangelism, and he's doing an outstanding job, and he wants to just share an update with you about some people that are hearing about Jesus through our church. Praise God. You know, there's uh, so many miracles sitting in this room here. You know, I was reflecting on that, just uh, being a greeter this morning about as we congregate, you know, what God has done in our lives to save us. That is a, a miracle. But he didn't just save us to sit in seats, you know. I want to share with you just very briefly from a scripture from Matthew chapter 4, if I could. That's a little better, right? Closer, yeah. Uh, 17 to 20, it says this, from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The same message that the forerunner, John the Baptist, preached as well. It says, and Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed. There's immediate obedience to that call to be fishers of men. You know, and I, that is the call that for you, for you, for you, for all of us collectively. It's not, Phoebe just asked if I could just share a little bit about when we go into the city on a, on a Saturday to do evangelism uh, in our local mission field of Reading, Pennsylvania. You know, God, I'm reading a book right now called uh, Evangel. The Sovereignty, Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God by J.I. Packer. And, you know, he could do it totally. God is so sovereign, so powerful. The gospel is so powerful. He could do it without us. But he's saying, no, I need you, Andre. I need you, Doug. I need you, Lewis. I need you, Josh. I need all, everyone in the army of God engaged to go with this glorious gospel message that we have. Yesterday was a, a, just a blessed day yesterday in the city. We go out on a Saturday. A lot of times it's Doug and I, and, and uh, there's been others that have gone out with us. Kim Reyes and Eric Strum was with us yesterday. There was this glorious sights to behold yesterday. There was a, uh, it was raining, and uh, Doug and I just gathered for a little bit of fellowship initially. I don't know if you know Doug. Doug, would you just stand up just for a second? Doug Kramer, you know, uh, and, and Eric Strum as well. He, Eric was out with us yesterday. Just for a moment, just stand up, Eric. You know, there was just beautiful sights to behold. As Doug and I were over at the subway fellowshipping because it was raining, Eric was over across the street ministering to a guy by the name of Thomas on the wall. And he was ministering to him for like 10, 15 minutes, just sharing the gospel with him. Came over into the, into the subway with us, and he said, do you have, hey, do you have a Bible? And he went across the street to give Tom, Tom, Tommy or Thomas a Bible. And there was another lady on the circle there at 6th and 10, where we go, in Center City, that got a Bible. And so many people hear this gospel. And, you know, there's a various things that happen. Doug was sharing, he was reading the Word of God in, the, in Center City. The, the hope of our city isn't going to be better infrastructure, a better landscaping, a better IMAX, a, a sovereign center, it's going to be hearts renovated one soul at a time as seeds get sown out. Doug was sharing from the gospel. I think he was reading from the gospel of John, and he was open-air preaching the gospel in the city yesterday. It's just, it's the power, the dynamite, dunamis power of the gospel that can really touch people's hearts, and we see that happening. Uh, Eric was ministering with a guy by the name of Jose yesterday, and I sent CB a i just given little, little, because we do this as part of the local church. I want to be aware as we go out and evangelize and what has happened this week with the summer explosion and seeing Esther coming in this morning, just so excited about going and, and reaching our city and, and our local mission field for the gospel. The sight to behold was this brother just ministering with this guy by the name of Jose yesterday. He was sharing the gospel with him. Eric was, Eric Strom. We're not exalting men, but this gospel goes out and it touches people's lives. Jose was standing there with his eyes closed as Eric was, and his hand up, and Eric was praying for this guy. 
It was just a beautiful sight to behold. Lots of gospel tracts go out. We, we pass out gospel tracts and the power of a gospel tract. Take gospel tracts with you. They're back on the information table. Uh, just take one with you this week. How good are you? We oftentimes will go to pass a tract to someone and say, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. It's like, no. Unless the gospel touches their life, there's really no one that's good. So we have this privilege as part of our local church to go out weekly on a Saturday. If you'd like to come out with us, contact myself. And while John Reyes is recovering from his tonsillectomy, you know, you can contact CB. It's just one of the things that we do. There's so many things that are happening individually in people's lives because I don't walk where you walk, in your workplaces, in your neighborhoods, where the gospel is going out through lives. And I know it's going out through this church. So just be stirred, be encouraged in that. And uh, look out for other evangelism opportunities that are coming up through our local church as well. Potentially at community days are coming up. We're going to have potentially have an opportunity for a couple of nights to go out. And we're going to basically do this as well. We're going to kick out any kind of prop. We're not going out with any prop. We're going out with the unadulterated gospel of Jesus Christ. And what is the best way we can love our neighbor? Is by sharing this good news that has changed our lives and changed our hearts that has congregated this miracle in this room here today. Thank you. Thanks so much, Mark. Josh and Luba, if you could come forward at this time. Uh, Josh and Luba just got back from youth camp, and Josh is serving as a deacon in our youth ministry, our Crossfire Parent Team Ministry. He wants to share a brief Crossfire update. So, First of all, church, I want to thank you guys for praying for us. It was, we needed a lot of strength to listen and play games. Um, as Joshua was uh, saying earlier on the, at the ministry mic that we went over the book of Jude, which is literally just one chapter. So we really delved deep into it. And uh, it was about contending for the faith. And I'm just blown away by how the youth was just really taking it seriously. So not only were they excited about worshiping, but they were also opening up to me and to the other counselors that were there for prayer and, and sharing their burdens with us, which is like, we can't look down upon the youth just because just they're young, but I, I am so blown away and encouraged by, by them coming out to me and, and reaching out to me even. Yeah, amen. Um, yeah, we had uh, such a blast, as, as Luba was saying. And uh, for those who were able to make it, uh, we just wanted to thank, uh, first of all, Crossway Church for hosting. I know probably no one from Crossway is here, but um, if you ever interact with people from Crossway, there's just such a blessing and opportunity to host it. The campus itself is is very very large and has a lot of uh, uh, opportunity uh, to to be present, and so we're thankful for them. Also, the Crossfire teens. If you went, if you're a Crossfire team, can you just raise your hand if you went to this? Can we give just like give the thank God for these Crossfire teens? Uh, it was such such a blessing uh, to see them all there, interacting, engaging. Um, uh, I mean, if it, I, I would encourage you during the break, you know, walk up to a Crossfire teen and just ask them what they enjoyed about, uh, about youth camp. And, and there's so much, you know, I, I hate to get, put you guys on the spot, but, uh, you know, there's, there's so much that we enjoyed. Um, also want to thank, uh, Ethan and Annie Prouse as well as, uh, Megan England and Nate Madison, who are all counselors. Um, and they, they were just, again, uh, ministering to the teens there. Uh, teens that are part of six different churches. We had some churches that were from Massachusetts that were there. So we were gathering all together. Um, yeah, there's some pictures, silly, silly pictures there. Unfortunately, we were, we were able to get Ashlyn and Matthew Putnam, Ashlyn Netter and Matthew Putnam, but we were able to get a decent amount uh, of us present. And so they had a, a fun time enjoying. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, we didn't fall back. There's actually a little pond back there. Um, um, also wanted to thank, uh, Kim Reyes. Kim Reyes, uh, was one of our, a parent who did stay pr- and was there the entire time she tented, um, and, uh, and was also ministering through the ministry mic, the prophetic mic that we had present there. And so we thank for, for her, her being there. Um, also Bojena, um, Bojena, are you here tonight? Hi, Bojena. Um, Bojena, uh, she helped with the, the kitchen and the food and among many other things that were present. Uh, and when you have to feed 100-some kids, I think it was maybe 120, 150-some kids, it's not a light task. 
Um, and so she was a, a trooper back there. She was uh, present and very active. And then finally, we want to thank John Lillendahl uh, as well. Uh, he was uh, kind of head and overseeing security. Then one thing you got to also consider, you got to feed bellies. That's important. But, you know, we, we, we have to take care of making sure that our campground is secure, you know, in the world that we live in and, and making sure that our teens are in good hands and they're, they're being monitored and the occasional time where you have to tell them to go to bed because they want to keep talking. Um, so John did a phenomenal job of that along with the, the rest of the staff there. And so we just wanted to pay a, a special honor to these people who have helped and made youth camp so great. So again, so just a round of applause. Thank God for these people. And so if you weren't able to make youth camp this year, teens or parents who have teens, we look forward to seeing you next year. Uh, again, it, it really is such a blessing. And uh, again, it's, it'll come faster than you realize. Excellent. If you can make your way back to your seats, we're going to get started and open up your Bibles to the book of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter one, the third book in the Old Testament, the third book in the Pentateuch or the First five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, written by Moses. We're going to read Leviticus chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and this sermon is going to cover the span of Leviticus chapters 1 through 7. And so we're going to kind of fly around here in these first seven chapters and hone in on some detail here in Leviticus 1 that uh, will, I trust, be a real blessing to us. So let's look at Leviticus chapter 1, verses 1 through 5 together. Um, I got a little bit of like uh, like Terminator sound coming up here, like where I feel like a, like, like a cool Terminator. So I just want to let you guys know. I don't know if you guys all hear it, but I hear it in my monitors. I actually like it, so if you want to keep it, <laughs> you can keep it if you want, guys. Thanks. I'm feeling it. It's better now. Leviticus 1, 1 through 5. Let's uh, read God's word together. The Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When any one of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of livestock from the herd or from the flock. If his offspring is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer a male without blemish. He shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting, that he may be accepted before the Lord. He shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. Then he shall kill the bull before the Lord, and Aaron's sons and priests shall bring the blood and throw the blood against the sides of the altar that is at the entrance of the tent. Of meeting. Uh, the title of the message this morning is Christ Displayed Through the Sacrificial System. Christ Displayed Through the sacri- Sacrificial System. Let's, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for all the wonderful things going on in our church. Thank you so much for Summer Explosion, the five-day club. We pray that many kids would get saved this week and that you would give strength to all of our volunteers for that. Thank you for our teens and Crossfire and their parents and, and the college-age students that served. And we're so thankful for all the counselors. Um, we're grateful for the work that you're doing in our teens and all the life uh, for Jesus that we're seeing in them. And we just give you glory for it. God, we thank you so much for the ministry of evangelism in our church. We pray that it would deepen even more. I pray that every one of us, that Christ's community would be an army of evangelists, men and women who hit the streets and share Christ with the lost. Lord, there's no other name under heaven given amongst men by which men must be saved other than the name of Jesus. So help us to be an evangelistic church. And Lord, this morning, as we look at the sacrificial system in Leviticus, I pray that insight and depth into your sacrifice on the cross would come shining out. Reveal yourself to us and increase our passion for the cross and our amazement at your grace. We pray that you would do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, it's so good to see you guys. Thanks. So you guys are all in front of me now. That side section, a bunch of guys kind of move that out for right now so I can kind of see you all. And so thanks so much for doing that. I know it'll be a little bit more snug, but uh, that's kind of cool. So uh, Genesis displayed creation, the fall, and the gospel. Um, God promised that the offspring of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent. And through this offspring, speaking of Jesus, 
In Genesis 3, all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. That was the book of Genesis. And then we moved into Exodus, and we just finished Exodus last week. Um, we, we looked at redemption and God redeeming his people out of slavery in Egypt by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. And not only did he redeem them out, but he, he fights for them even after they're out of Egypt and in the wilderness. He fights for them, he provides for them, and his presence goes with them into the wilderness. And God's people received God's law on the way to the promised land in the book of Exodus. The, the span of like when Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, when it was written, is where they target it is that it happened after the exodus of the Israelites out of the nation of Egypt, out of slavery, which happened, happened in about 1445 B.C. So just to give you an idea of when Moses, <clears throat> the human author of the book of Leviticus, wrote this, it was during the time period between 1445 B.C. when they left Egypt to the 40 years in the wilderness. This is when the books were written, in the 40 years in the wilderness, between 1445 and 1405 B.C. So that it was written in and about there, in order, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So that's the date that scholars zero in on for the exodus of Israel out of the land of Egypt and when Leviticus was written, between those dates. Moses is the human author, but he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. All Scripture... 2 uh, Timothy 3.16 says, is breathed out by God. So God is the capital A author of every word of Scripture. And Moses is the small a, human author. And God, the Holy Spirit, spoke through men. And it's wonderful to consider Moses writing this down as he was in the midst of the wilderness wanderings, in the midst of their sufferings, writing down the book of Leviticus, because there's so much that God says to us here that I, I believe is just going to really be a blessing to his church. So Moses wrote down what he received from the Lord for the book of, Ex, book of Leviticus in the midst of the wilderness wanderings so that God's people would understand how to worship God and how to live. That's what Leviticus is about, how to worship God and how to live. The word Leviticus means, quote, pertaining to the Levites. And so the Levites were the tribe from where the, the priests came from. The book contains a lot of priestly subject matter. We're not getting into that a lot this week. That'll be as we head into the future weeks in Leviticus as we spend about a month here. And in the, in, in the way that we get a glimpse, we get a glimpse of the holiness of God, and we also see the glory of Christ revealed in the sacrificial system. So this book can kind of seem foreign and strange to us, in 2018 America, but Leviticus really does give us a rich contribution to our understanding of God and the sacrifice of Christ. It's, it's important to note that the Father had in mind the cross of Christ when he spoke to Moses here in Leviticus 1.1, and the Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting, and then talked about you shall bring your offering of livestock from the herd or the flock. That he had in mind, not just an offering of livestock, but he had in mind an offering of his son, which the offering of livestock, as Joel mentioned so well during the call to worship this morning, was only the shadow and the type that pointed to the substance, which is Jesus Christ, the perfect offering. And so, Leviticus has something to say to us here in 2018, and I'm excited to delve into this together with you, and I believe God's going to really help us to love the cross and to love God more as a result of us studying this as a local church. All of these different offerings point to Christ, and they reveal different glorious aspects of what his finished work on the cross accomplished for us. So if you're, if you're kind of tempted to say, oh, I know, Jesus died on the cross for my sins, I got it, I got it. There's so much more depth to it than just that statement. The, the Lord did so much through that one sacrifice. And so Leviticus helps us to see what the Lord did. And so I, I've been thinking about it this way. Leviticus is like a power washer that has the capability to reveal to you how holy God is how sinful and unclean we are, 
and yet also at the same time show how effective the sacrifice of Christ is to cleanse you and forgive you. So it's like a power washer that reveals the glorious gospel and shows how deeply unclean and how deeply our sin pervades us. It shows the holiness of God and His lack of any tolerance for sin and uncleanness. The unclean cannot come into the presence of the holy. But it also shows the amazing grace of God that He would cleanse us and forgive us through the offering of a male without blemish, as Leviticus chapter 1 says here. So let's prepare to get power washed, and then let's prepare to uh, see the shining radiance of Christ beaming off after we, we finish this uh, time of, of, of getting washed through the book of Leviticus and getting washed through the water of the word of Leviticus. I'm excited about that. Be holy as I am holy can be seen as a motto for the book. Um, and I'm really looking forward to delving into it together with you. The, the greater the deviation from uh, from God, the greater the degree of uncleanness, the greater the degree of sin, and the greater the effectiveness of the sacrifice needs to be to take care of it and atone for it. And so we're going to see that there is cleansing from all uncleanness, and there is atonement for all sin in and through the blood of Christ. And you see it through uh, five different offerings throughout the first seven chapters here. There's a burnt offering, which is mentioned here in Leviticus 1 that I just touched on. Chapter 2 deals with the grain offering. We'll touch in on that. Uh, the third point will be the peace offering. The fourth, sin offering. And the fifth and final offering that we'll look at and, and how it reflects and connects to Christ is the guilt offering. So let's look first at um, the uh, the burnt offering. So the burnt offering here offered up, it actually was distinguished because it's the first time you see this phrase that a male without blemish is what needs to be offered up. And so whenever one of the Israelites brought a sacrifice to the tabernacle for their sins, they were to bring uh, they were to bring their very best blemish-free offering. They, they weren't to bring second skimmings, if you will, or the, the weakest of their flock. They were to bring uh, a, a male without blemish, which ultimately points to the male without blemish, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and was a sinless substitutionary sacrifice on our behalf. Atonement for sin, what we learn here with this offering is that atonement for sin requires a perfect sacrifice. It requires something that is the very best in order to blot out the very worst of who we are. It also requires something that we cannot do for ourselves. A substitute was needed in order for atonement to be made. A perfect substitute was needed. Now, we learn here from God that God will accept a blemish-free substitute if one can be found. And if its blood is shed, the Israelites were to lay their hands on the sacrifice. And you got to understand the imagery here is the personal nature of this. You would actually take your sins and you would confess it while simultaneously transferring the guilt of what you did onto this blemish-free sacrifice, and it all was pointing to, this is what's required to atone for your sin and for you to go to heaven. This is what's required in order for forgiveness to happen. And imagine just transferring the guilt of their sin onto the substitute and then watching an animal die for it. It must have been never easy for that to happen, and, and yet the lesson learned is drive, it's driven home strongly. The wages of sin is death. And in order to be made right with God, a sacrifice is needed. One that would require the blood, and one that would require the life 
of a male without blemish. And you could just see Christ being preached. And, you know, for us, this seems like an anomaly. We don't have animals being killed for sacrifice today in, a, in America. What we, but what, so this can kind of get lost. This was normal for the Israelites to just be experiencing this. This was part of their worship. And so the priests, they would, they would either put blood on the horns of the altar or they would, they would just throw the blood on the sides of the altar. And so blood's everywhere. And the reason that's important is because we see that it's through blood being shed that propitiation for sins is accomplished and forgiveness happens and sin is atoned for. The offering of the burnt offering is specific in that it rendered the sinner acceptable before God. This is really important. And we read this phrase actually here in verse 3. That he may be accepted before the Lord. What a great phrase. There's literally so many applications. I just want you as as I'm, I'm hitting these. These are immediately applicable to our life through Christ. And I want you just to drink it in because it's going to be like a, a fountain of just imagery that flows to us. And I want you to really savor it and receive it into your soul. Having believed in Jesus Christ, your sin and guilt has already been transferred from you to Jesus. And he died for you on the cross, atoning for your sins and making you acceptable before God. And I want you to ponder the love of God over your life this morning, brothers and sisters. That God would go to such lengths as to offer not a bull or a goat or a lamb, but to offer His very own Son as a sacrifice for you and for me. To crush and slaughter His own Son so that sinners might be forgiven and saved and go to heaven and enjoy Him forever. Oh, the amazing love of God. I can't wait to close in worship and sing about it again. I want you to ponder what it means in your life right now to be accepted by God. Because there was an offering that was lifted up that was acceptable to God here in the burnt offering. The accent on the burnt offering is that this offering was a Godward offering that when it was offered up, it, it, it actually, in the last verse here in Leviticus, you see that it's a burnt offering, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. This pleasing aroma to the Lord, do you know what this talks about? This talks about that when Christ died on the cross, that sacrifice was a pleasing aroma to the Lord that was acceptable to God in His infinite holiness, acceptable for your sins. God was satisfied through the offering of Jesus Christ. And it was a pleasing aroma. Whenever you read of the pleasing aroma, you can think of Ephesians 5.2, which actually says the exact phrase, Christ was a pleasing aroma. That clicks back here to Leviticus. It's Leviticus, one of the things that be known about with Leviticus is it's one of the most often quoted Old Testament books in the Bible, even in the New Testament. You think, oh man, I didn't know that. Leviticus is wonderful in terms of the imagery that you get about the cross of Christ and the atonement that was made. And so the burnt offering displays that the sacrifice of Christ was first an offering up to God that was a pleasing aroma to him and thus rendering you and I acceptable before God. Isn't that awesome? Oh, drink that in deep, beloved, this morning and be encouraged. You are accepted by God now. And so here's the direct application today. We come to church today. If you are a Christian in this room, you've trusted in Christ and repented of your sins, you come to church today accepted by God. Not because of anything you've done, but because atonement has been made by the perfect offering of a male without blemish, Jesus Christ. And God has said, this is a pleasing aroma to me. And I accept that offering on their behalf, 
on C.B. Etter's behalf. Oh, good news for a sinner like me this morning. And good news for you. So you do not need to walk in here. Please listen, because this is very important. A lot of Christians struggle with this all their life, and I hope this application helps you from Leviticus. You do not need to walk into church in fear or in condemnation. Because what Jesus did for you was acceptable. It was acceptable to God. And it's meant to fill your heart with hope this morning. Because the way God sees you now is without blemish. And we can just stop right there. Just go back into worship. I got four more. Is Leviticus boring? <laughs> no, this is life. That's why I want to dig into this book and, and, and celebrate. You know, and I, I might not get to this later, so I got to dip it in now. But I'll hit it again later. But you hear many people and even many Christians say this. I know God has forgiven me for my sin. But I just can't forgive myself. What that phrase just speaks to is a person rightly understands the shame of sin. What you have to understand is that when God says that my son's sacrifice over your life is a pleasing aroma to me, is that he forgave you not just for the sins that you in your own mind can say, yeah, I I know he forgave me of those. He forgave you of the sins in your life that you are most ashamed of and that you almost can't even forgive yourself for. The good news is, nowhere in the Bible does the Bible ever say that you need to be able to forgive yourself for your sins. We need to be forgiven by God. And the good news is, is infinite holiness finds the sacrifice and offering of Christ acceptable And he chose to accept you and me, knowing the vilest about us. Be free, sister. Be free, brother, from some of the sins and the memories of the past that have dogged you. And you think, I know God's forgiven me. I don't know that he could forgive me for that. It touches in even on that burnt offering. Second one. Grain offering, and this is revealed in chapter 2. The grain offering was an offering of thanksgiving to God for his preservation and provision. The the mincha, as the original Hebrew says, it was an offering from an inferior to a superior. And when offered, what it does is it pledges loyal obedience to God. So the grain offering really, really said, God, I'm committed to you. I'm dedicating myself to you. So the different offerings accomplished different things, whereas the burnt offering displayed how God was pleased with the offering of the bull. The, the grain offering is, is really an expression of dedication to God. It's, a, it's an expression of commitment to God and a commitment to follow His ways. The grain offerings expressed worship to God as the provider of every good thing. He provided food through this offering, not just uh, for uh, himself to receive, but also he provided food for the priests who served in the tabernacle as the Israelites came and offered up their grain offering. The priests would partake of it. And what this offering really displays is it's, it's really a meal offering that's a dedication to God, and it's offered up with thanksgiving, and it also pledges loyal obedience to God. The direct application of the grain offering is that, and listen carefully, is that those reconciled to God through faith in His Son willingly are to offer up their lives with thanksgiving and dedication and obedience to Him. There's no such thing as somebody who really truly trusts in and loves Jesus Christ who has no interest in being dedicated to Him. When we are forgiven by God, there's an immediate connection to living our lives in commitment and obedience to Him. Now, we never do that perfectly or sinlessly, and thus the sacrificial system. It covers sins, and Israelites throughout their lifetime had to come many times and offer up offerings for atonement for their sins because they sinned a lot, just like we can still do with our 
indwelling sin is Christians. But what this represents is the heart of the worshiper saying, God, thank you for all that you provided for me, and I'm also dedicating myself in a fresh way to you. Uh, this also points to the purity of Christ's sacrifice for us on the cross. And uh, let us remember, brothers and sisters, this morning, how he has provided for all of our, not just our spiritual needs, but how God has provided for all of our material needs. And there's also a reference with the grain offering that salt is offered up to the Lord. And it, salt this is one little detail, but it, you see this reference picked up about salt all the way throughout the, the entire Bible into the New Testament, because we are the salt of the earth. And it's a purifying agent. We are preserving, we are a preserving agent. And, uh, there's also mention here, uh, that leaven's not to be used, which speaks to the purity, not just of the offering of Christ, but also the purity that our lives as Christians are meant to undertake. So that was the grain offering. Let's move to the third, the peace offering. The peace offering, whereas if you came in with a burnt offering, you're very, very aware of your sin. And most likely, it's more of a somber occasion as you're transferring the guilt and then seeing an animal die for that. Uh, a peace offering was was really an occasion of joy. You came with your peace offering to worship with joy on your face, and you came with a heart of just thanksgiving to God. With the peace offerings, what happened, what was different about the peace offerings mentioned in Leviticus 3, was that the offerer was able to eat the meat of the sacrifice. So the offerer was able to eat, and they actually would sit down and eat with the priests. So this was really, uh, this was one where both male and female animals were able to be offered. And the imagery here in relation to the peace offering is this. These offerings were not offered in an effort to bring about peace, but were offered from a state of peace and a state of grace. So friendship and peace with God and friendship and fellowship and love for your brothers and sisters was manifested in the peace offering. There was fellowship that happened. This would be sort of like our small group ministry offering where there's food enjoyed and friendship and love extended one to another because friendship and peace with God have already been established. And really we come and we offer the peace offering recognizing with joy that the state of peace that we are currently enjoying has been brought about because God has reconciled us to himself through the offering of his son. And whenever you hear the word reconciliation, which is a dynamic of the gospel, reconciliation means this. You and I were once as sinners at war with God. And God, it actually says in Colossians 1 that we were hostile in our mind doing evil deeds. And God, God was angry with us. And we were objects of his wrath as enemies of him. He was also committed to justice and carrying out justice. But when the kindness and mercy of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. And what's amazing about reconciliation, listen to this, is that the party that was offended, God, He didn't do anything wrong ever to us. We sinned against Him and violated His law. The offended party takes the initiative to come and reach out to us while we were still sinners. Which means while we were still hostile. It's not like God's like, listen, you know, you clean yourself up a little bit, then I'll clean you up the rest of the way. That's another mentality people can have. I've got to clean myself up first before I can go to God. We could never do that. The good news is, is that while we were still sinners, filthy, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, God said, said I'm going to send my son to reconcile these sinners, these rebels, to myself, establishing peace through 
his blood on the cross. And so you're reconciled to God. It actually says in Ephesians 2 that the, we were called the faraway ones. The faraway ones have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And there's peace. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 5.1 says. The good news there is you may not this morning feel like you have inner peace. In one sense, that's very irrelevant. The good news is, is that objectively, peace has been accomplished. So your sense of inner peace throughout your Christian life, like mine, (laughs) might go up and down. It's fixed. And so you know what a peace offering is? It's every Sunday you coming in the church and just offering up songs of praise, jubilant songs of joy, saying, God, thank you for establishing peace between me and you and that I'm saved. And then when you come in here brokenhearted and discouraged and downcast, you come in and say, God, my sense of inner peace, I, I really barely have any at all. And I feel like I'm hanging on by a thread here. But I acknowledge to you this morning as I offer up my offering of praise, as I offer up this offering of peace to you, that you have accomplished peace. And I have it as my possession. And it will never be taken away from me. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome God. So thanksgiving and supplication was offered here from a worshiper who was in good standing with God, having his sins already forgiven. And this was the offer of the peace offering. I want you to imagine an imagery of Israelites sitting down at the table to eat and enjoy fellowship with God and with men, enjoying the covenant community, and marveling at the peace of body and soul that has been secured by God for him. Uh, Brothers and sisters, let us enjoy the fact that as Josh ministered this morning from the ministry, Mike, we are secure. We are being kept. There is peace. We are in a state of peace and friendship with God because of how he saved us. Let us enjoy it this day. Well, let's move to the next offering, the fourth offering. And uh, it just seems to just kind of just get better and better. Um, Leviticus chapter 4 It says in Leviticus chapter 4, and he shall be forgiven. This is the the sin offering. And Hebrews 9 says this, when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of his creation, he entered once for all, Christ did, into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish, there it is again, in Hebrews, talking about Christ, it's connected to Leviticus, Christ offered himself without blemish to God. How much more will it purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? The sin offering means that there's forgiveness in Christ. Forgiveness for our sins. Priests and all other worshipers needed forgiveness. It's interesting, and you'll see this throughout, where the priests actually had to offer up an offering for themselves for their own sins to be forgiven, and then they would then go and minister. But with Christ, he never needed to do that because he was sinless and spotless. And he was our perfect priest who offered up the perfect offering of himself. So Christ, I can't wait to get into this with you in Leviticus, he is both at the same time priest and sacrifice. He provided a way for our sins to be forgiven. So that on the final day of judgment, when we stand before the holiness of God and all of His glory, and we need to give an account, we will understand and appreciate more than ever before the truth that God has forgiven our sins. 
There's one thing that we'll all be thinking about on the day of judgment when we stand before the holiness of God. And one thing we'll care about, and one thing we'll care about alone. And that is, are my sins forgiven? You do not want to go before God on the day of judgment without the blood of Christ covering your sins. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, Hebrews says, unless you've got a sin offering. Ah, marvel at this with me, brothers and sisters. The sin offering, what that means is that the broken relationship has been remedied. Sin has been atoned for. That word atonement in the Hebrew is kippur, where we get Yom Kippur, which we will be celebrating in a number of weeks when John preaches on Leviticus 16 in July on the Day of Atonement when we get to Leviticus 16. And I I wanted to preach that one. I'm so pumped John's going to get to preach it because it's like, oh, the Day of Atonement. What a cool, wonderful passage of Scripture. But I'm so excited to hear it from John. But, But this atonement has been offered. Sin has been atoned for. Theologian Alan Ross says this, Bringing this offering was an expression of faith in God's willingness to forgive and his willingness to restore. So there's a forgiveness and a restoration that happens to the sinner who comes before him with a repentant heart. So offering, you got to remember, every time they brought an offering, it was, you know, expensive. It was one of their animals that really was productive and They brought the very best for their offerings. And when they offered it up, it was an expression of faith. Lord, I'm giving this as an offering because I trust you. And as I come before you broken and repentant over my sin, I trust that the blood of this offering, which is pointing to the blood of the offspring, the blood of the promised one to come, Jesus Christ, that I will indeed be forgiven by you as I offer it. One of the, one of the details related to the sin offering here in uh, Leviticus 4 is that the whole bull would be burnt upon the ground outside the camp. That's one of the distinctions of this offering. After the blood and the fat were put on the altar for God. The blood and the fat really represented the very best of the offering. And what this symbolized, what it just points to amazingly, it points to the offering that was made for sin by Christ. When we read in 2 Corinthians 5.21, that he who had no sin was made sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Christ, what the sin offering represents is that Christ endured the judgment and the wrath of God taken outside the camp. And remember, he was crucified on the hill called Calvary outside the camp. He suffered and died. All of this, the details of Christ's crucifixion down to the very detail points and highlights to something he was fulfilling from Leviticus. And he was separated and taken out. And it shows the holiness of God and how awful sin is that it needed to be burnt outside the camp and separated from the people of God. What this pictures, brothers and sisters, is Christ being forsaken by God and cut off as our sin-bearer. Because Christ willingly took upon Himself and bore in His own body the sins that you and I have wickedly committed against Him. Christ said, I'll take it on Me. And it's not going to be C.B. Etter that needs to go outside the camp and be burned, which symbolizes really eternal judgment and eternal fire. Christ said, I will take CB's punishment. I will take your punishment. I will go as your substitute outside the camp. I will be forsaken by God so that none of you who believe in me ever will. 
Brothers and sisters, that's awesome that God did that for you. Let us never become over-familiar with the gospel of grace. He was cast out that we might enter in and never be removed. He was cast out as God's Son so that you and I who believe might become His family. Sons and daughters of the Most High God. And not only are you not cast out of the city walls, you are called His treasured possession. The daughter of the King. Son of the King. And you have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Your sins have been atoned for Wrath has been satisfied because of the offering of Christ. The the theological word is propitiation. Christ absorbed the full wrath of God against your sins and against mine, beloved, so that we never have to bear one ounce of God's anger and God's wrath, His just anger and just wrath against our sin. It was completely poured out on Jesus on the cross. Can I ask you a question? How do you feel about that? Does it move you that God did this for you? Does it move you that you're here this morning, saved and able to offer up a peace offering with joy in the midst of fellowship and partake of the joys of being inside the camp because Christ willingly went outside the camp to be burned with afflictions from God, to be cut off and stricken and forsaken by God? crushed, Isaiah 53 says, for your iniquity so that you and I might be cleansed and forgiven and whole and loved forever. I just can't wait to get to worship. But I got one more. (laughs) And that's the guilt offering. The final offering. You see this kind of as you're heading into late Leviticus chapter 6. And then into chapter 7, the guilt offering deals with a particular kind of sin. And this is important to know. Sin's talked about in three different ways in Scripture primarily. You've got iniquity, which deals with just the stain of sin. And that largely can come even from the fall. You are unclean just due to the effects of being a fallen human being under Adam. There's iniquity and just stain. There's also sin and you know, sometimes you would see the reference to uh, sins of ignorance or unintentional sins that we'll get into. Sometimes you sin and you violate God's law and you don't even know about it. You just did it and you're like, oh my gosh, God, I'm so sorry. I grieved you. You still needed to offer offering up to it, but it's a sin. It's different from iniquity and the stain. It is a violation of God's law, but it's it's sometimes even committed in ignorance or an unintentional. The third category of sin is transgression. Transgression is big. It's when you knowingly violate God's law and do harm to God and you do harm to your neighbor. And transgression required a a special attachment on the power washer. What's different about this offering is that when a guilt offering was offered up, this is where it's different. Normally, you would bring your own offering and you would choose, here's my mail without blemish that I want to offer up to be slaughtered. When it came to the guilt offering, the priest chose it. The priest would sometimes even say, this offering here isn't good enough to cover your transgression. And you actually need to go back and get an even better animal from your herd in order for this offering to be accomplished. The priest chose the very best. Because the very best needed to be offered up for the guilt offering to cover a transgression. A transgression would be when someone would would, would steal or someone would violate their neighbor greatly. And they would also violate God's law greatly. And the guilt 
of a transgression is even greater because you knowingly knew God's word and yet chose to rebel anyway. Do you have any transgressions? I know I do. Things in my life, I'm just like, I know that they're wrong, but you know what, God, I still find myself just knowing that that's wrong and that it violates your word. And there are occasions where I'll still willfully just harden my heart and do it. That required special atonement and power-washing power to get out. Guilt offerings were different from sin offerings. And it's important to note that every trespass is a sin, but not every sin is a trespass. A trespass is dark. It is serious. It violates and does real harm to the neighbor. And when that happens... In the law, what needed to happen was restitution needed to be made to the person you violated. You needed to pay back the full amount to them, and you needed to add a fifth on top of it for the time that you had either stolen their property and you had it in your possession and they weren't able to benefit from it. You bring an additional fifth. So it's not just enough for you to pay it back in full. You've got to compensate for this loss that you have inflicted on your brother or your sister you see justice carried out there. What's amazing is when we trespass against God, we rob God, as Malachi 2 talks about, by not giving him everything that we're called to give him. We trespass against the Lord. What's amazing is Jesus not only paid for our sin in full, but also was forced in that instance also to make restitution for what he did not steal. Jesus not only pays for it in full, but even goes above and beyond and blessing you with spiritual blessings in Christ that go far beyond even just your full atonement for your sin. He makes full restitution even though He wasn't in any way responsible for any trespasses. The guilt offering blood was thrown against the side of the altar so everybody would see that blood was needed to atone for that particular transgression. And the application here is that Christ's sacrifice was for us our guilt offering. I want you to listen carefully. It makes full and complete satisfaction. And it also makes full reparation on our behalf to the full. To the point where no other sacrifice from us needs to be made. And I want you to hear this. If you have trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have repented of your sins, hear this. My sister, my brother, the greatest and the darkest of your trespasses. I want you to think for a moment, I know this is uncomfortable, of the worst things you have ever done. And what you were guilty for. You have transgressed. You have hurt. You have harmed. The greatest and the darkest of your trespasses and mine are propitiated in our guilt offering, Jesus Christ. There is no more need to fear and no need to hide because Jesus did what he did for us. It's full forgiveness of the worst of who you are. And as I mentioned earlier, you could never forgive yourself for the worst things that you've ever done. But the good news is, is that God with the guilt offering has taken the very worst things, the toughest stains of who you are and your wickedness and who I am and my wickedness, and God has put the special tip on the end of the power washer called the guilt offering. And He has put the power down on the darkest of who I am. And that power has driven my wickedness as far away from me and from you as the east is from the west. He has cast your sins into the sea of forgetfulness, Scripture says. You are completely clean. You don't always feel clean. We still feel the residue of our past sins. But if you're a Christian here, Christ is your guilt offering. That means He paid, made full restitution and some. 
cover you. And to highlight the end some, if you still feel like, I, I don't know that I even really fully feel clean after everything I've done, Pastor. I know how you feel, brother. I know how you feel, sister. I want to encourage you with this. All these offerings, they deal with forgiveness and they deal with atonement. None of this even touches in on the fact that not only God the Father accepts Jesus' sacrifice as a pleasing aroma for you of the darkest things that you've ever done, and all of your iniquity and sin as well, and your transgressions. He also says, My Son Jesus' blemish-free life and perfect fulfillment of the law. I'm actually going to do you one better. I'm going to double imputation this situation. I'm going to impute all of your guilt, CB, for all the wicked things you've ever done. I'm going to put it on my son. I'm going to crush and punish him and satisfy my wrath in him on the cross. So he screams out in agony, and you don't need to go to hell forever. So my son, you're completely forgiven of all that. And I'm also going to do this. I'm going to impute. I'm going to credit. I'm going to declare my son Jesus' blemish-free life and perfect righteousness and account you righteous in my son when you believe. And so even if you still feel residue of the wickedness of who you were in your past, my son, not only have I removed your sins away from you as far as the east is from the west, I have declared you righteous in Christ. You are justified. You are justified. Glorious gospel. <laughs> Glorious gospel. Glorious Savior. Worship band, if you could just return, let's just, let's stand. God, we thank you. We thank you so much for how awesome you are. We want to worship you. Thank you so much for being our burnt offering, our grain offering, our peace offering, our sin offering. And thank you for being our guilt offering that covers not just all of our iniquity and our sin, but our transgressions. The very worst of who we are. Thank you, Jesus, that we could have put our stains into the washer machine of our works and put it on spin cycle forever. We never would have gotten it out. But by the power of your power washing, cleansing blood, you have atoned and paid in full and forgiven me of all of my wretched sin and the sin of all my brothers and sisters. It has been finished by you and your finished work on the cross. And we stand here now forgiven. And we stand here now justified, declared righteous in Christ. So, Lord, we just, we want to offer up a peace offering to you right now. In fellowship. We want to partake and just express joy to you for all that you've done for us. And we want to sing for all that you have done for us. Amen. Love you guys. Let's worship. Oh, church, isn't he awesome? He didn't spare his own son to save you and bring you to himself. And if Jesus was willing to die and to shed his blood to atone for all your sins, he's not going to give up on you now. He did all of this so that you would be set free. He looks upon you with eyes of love and forgiveness and compassion. He is with you in this for the long haul. And He's in this with me for the long haul. And I conclude with the doxology that Josh read earlier. The book of Jude. 
Verse 24. Drink this in. Now to him who is able to keep you. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Amen. Go in peace and enjoy the salvation that he has won for you. God bless you, brothers and sisters.